Welcome once again, Bears fans, to Bears Scat. I'm Thomas. I'm Jim. And uh, we're getting ready to talk about what everybody seems to be talking about right now. And it sounds like everybody's trying to decide between fields and question mark. And I, my question for you immediately is, don't you think that's a little fast? I mean, don't you think we should be talking about what the coaching situation is first? <laughs> uh, it's kind of funny because this is a bit of a rare, I, I think this is a first in the history of this podcast where the Bears actually are going to play a meaningful game in December. Yeah, we, they won <laughs> two games in a row. And that Lions game was really fun. It was. And it seems to have a lot of people feeling better about everybody, the coaching staff, the quarterback, just the general direction of the team. A love fest. And... It's hilarious in the NFL just how week to week it is. It's just two weeks ago we were talking about the fact that, hey, the Bears won a game against the Vikings, but it was a terrible win and they <laughs> they, they should have lost and just, you know, the team sucks. And then they go out and they have a, actually a really impressive game against the Lions. And now, yeah, the hot topic is, well, is are they going to run it back? Has Eberflus done enough now to get another year and should we stick with fields and trade out of the first overall pick and look I, I don't know I, I I don't I don't have a good answer on any of it right now I, I don't know what that win against the Lions really means it was really fun yeah it was fun to see a playoff team coming to Soldier Field and <clears throat> kind of get dominated by the Bears that was great but does that mean that these guys have earned another year on the job I, I don't think so but they might be look that the bears might be looking for excuses to keep these guys i mean we really have no idea and i i don't know i agree with you you have to decide on the coach first i i would guess that matt eberflus's fate has probably been decided for a while i would think so I don't too yeah, I, I maybe not maybe not a while, but I I would think there was some serious thought that went into it at least at the halfway point. I would think so. Well, let's just run the scenarios, right? Because best case scenario for the Bears is they win out and they go to the playoffs. I think that's pretty unlikely. Well, and the thing is is that, you know, even if they win out, they need help. Yeah. yeah. I, and I don't think they're going to win out. Like, I just, I... I the, the percentages that were posted in the Tribune were not good. I mean, just, what have you seen from this team that says they're going to run off six straight? I, I, not much. And they are playing better, and the defense is playing better. But, look, even if they do that, d does that necessarily mean that this is the right coaching staff? No. No. Like, look, if this was... Bozo the Clown Phillips and <laughs> George McCaskey making the decision, then sure, I could absolutely see them looking for every reason they could come up with why they should bring this coaching staff back so that they don't have to go through the whole song and dance again to hire somebody new. But I want Kevin Warren and Ryan Poles to be thinking bigger than that. Like yeah. I want them to look at this coaching staff and say, based on what we've seen over the last two years – is this the coaching staff that's going to get the Chicago Bears to a Super Bowl? 
And if the answer to that is no, then I think you move on. And that might be a little unfair, especially if the Bears do finish strong, but they don't owe these coaches anything. Kevin Warren didn't hire Matt Eberflus or Luke Getze. These aren't his guys. So if he thinks he can do better, then I think that he should. And if the Bears fire Matt Eberflus tomorrow, he's going to get two or three years of guaranteed salary and he can go be a defensive coordinator if he wants or he can retire if he wants. I'm sure the Bears still owe him a couple million bucks a year for the next couple years. So if he's not the guy, even if the Bears finish strong, there's absolutely nothing that says you have to stick with him just because they win a couple of games down the stretch here. Right. And I think that, I do think that Poles is looking at it that way. And I think that was, that is, you know, as he, uh, as he originally planned from the get go, um, this, he looks at it at the big picture. He's, he wants to bring multiple winning seasons to Chicago, not multiple winning games in a row. Right. (laughs) Right. So he, he, that, that is looking as big picture as you can. And that's the thing is that every time I look at Eberflus and this and his his time with Chicago, I don't see how he's achieved any objectives that he was governed with, whether even with the situation with the roster. Yeah, and it seems like he might be a really good defensive coordinator and he does have the defense playing better and that's great. But that's not the job he was hired to do. Right. He's hired to be the head coach. You, like I said, have, have you seen anything over the last year and a half that says Matt Eberflus gives you some game day advantage that is going to help the Bears win important games in December and January? No. I haven't either. And maybe he just... I, I, think, I think out of 100 Bears fans, you'd have a tough time finding more than a few guys that would say yes. And I don't think anybody is really that interested in bringing him back. I think if you asked 100 Bears fans, do you want Matt Eberflus back? I think 80 would probably say no. And I think 15 would probably kind of just be a little indifferent and say, hey, you know, I mean, not really. And then maybe you'll get a couple that are really passionate about, hey, we need to give this coaching staff another opportunity. But... I, I don't know. I don't feel that strongly that he should be back at all, even if they finish really well down the stretch here. And the hilarious thing about all this is is that after the Bears win a couple games in a row, I mean, they are, quote-unquote, in the hunt. Yeah. Right? Like, they're... they're... <laughs> um, Biggs uh, pointed out, 31 teams actually are in the hunt right now. <laughs> right. And no, seriously. No, I know. I, I think I think the only one that's eliminated is the Panthers. Right. And sure, if the Bears win if, if the Bears win three of their last four and get a little help, can they get into the playoffs? Sure. But the reason they're in that position is because they punted the first month of the season. Yeah. And that to me, you, you don't get to just say you don't get to yada yada over that it's, it's like the matt Nagy six game losing streak where ted and george came out at the end of the year and says well, and there were some awful losses in there too and te- this year yeah there, there absolutely were and remember when ted and george said 
well, the way they kept the team together and rebounded and came out of that six-game losing streak, it's like, you're not supposed to have a six-game losing streak. (laughs) Just like you're not supposed to start out (laughs) 0-4. And like you said, in that 0-4 was two just complete blowouts, including one against the Packers at home. They lost to Tampa Bay, and they're not any good. And then they got absolutely blown out by the Chiefs, who can't blow anybody out this year. So I think that there's more than enough to move on from this coaching staff. But, I mean, that said, really fun game against the Lions. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I I hate to start with the negative. That was a really fun win. And I'm glad the defense is doing better. Well, and, you know, so... Yes, it was a, it was a fun win. It's great that they won two games in a row. It's fun to watch the team when they're playing like that because you can tell that the team is is pumping up each other as far as teammates, which is great. And it does seem like Eberflus has done a good job of making a team atmosphere. And he does seem to have the guys playing hard for him. Mm-hmm. He he seemed to have that happen last year too. And, and, I mean, wow, the games were really meaningless at the end of the year last year. But I remember you and I talking specifically about how hard that they had played in some of those last games. And it was like, wow, you know, yeah, that'd be hard for anybody's job to come to work and be like, yeah, we're totally awful, right. but we still got to go and do our job, right? But at the same time, we're, we are far enough along in the season that as as a fan, as as somebody that has watched, you know, literally decades of this team, it's like I'm looking to the future. I want to I want to see us win a Super Bowl. And do I think that this coaching staff is going to win us a Super Bowl? I don't. Yeah, I don't want to continue settling for average here. Yes. And- for years and years and years, it felt like that's what we were doing with Lovey Smith. Lovey had a very good start to his Bears career. And then did. after they went to that Super Bowl, I don't think they made the playoffs again for like four or five more years. Correct. But there were a couple of seasons where they started poorly and then finished strong down the stretch. Or you saw just enough that they'd hang on for another year and then they went to that NFC Championship game, and then that bought him a couple more years. And it felt like for seven years, the Bears were just kind of settling for mediocrity. And look, hindsight is twenty twenty, and I realized that after they fired Lovey Smith, they've been pretty much awful ever since. Mm-hmm. But that's not a good reason to just accept mediocrity as your ceiling again. Right. And look... By the way, mediocre for the Matt Eberflus tenure is being kind. For the most part, it's been really, really bad until these last two games. Right. And one of these last two games was still really, really bad. They just happened to win. Yeah. So it's a good win against the Lions. And look, I think the team is positioned to play well during this final month. I, I think they can beat the Browns. I think they can beat... The Cardinals, I think they can beat the Falcons. I think they can beat the Packers. Will they beat all four? Probably not, but I think they can. But I don't want to settle for, hey, we beat the blob of mediocre teams, so here we are. I I want somebody that would make me feel confident that, yeah, we're going out to Philly and we're playing on the road in a hostile environment at night, but... I have a coach that's going to get these guys ready to play and that's going to 
be able to match up man for man with Nick Sirianni or with Andy Reid. And there's not that many of those guys out there. I get it, but that's not a good excuse to not try to get one of them, especially because I think this is shaping up to be a pretty darn desirable job. I think the defense is really good. And I think that it's likely to get better with another offseason. You do have a number one receiver. You're probably going to have a new quarterback that you're drafting first overall. Because you I have still a think real person on the edge. Yeah. And you're probably going to have another one next year because they're going to draft someone high or they're going to spend a bunch of money on that position. Like, See, this is the thing is that when you start looking at this, to me, this is the brilliance of polls and this is to me that it's starting to come out and show that this guy was looking at it from the beginning as I have a long-term plan I have a, a, a scheme I have a ploy I have a structure that I want to execute to make this team good for a long time and it, it, it amazes me. Some of the stuff on, uh, on Twitter this week was about, um, was, was talking about how we're lucking into the number one overall pick. And I was like, wait a second. Am I the only one that has half a brain here? That wasn't luck. He did that deliberately. He chose the Carolina Panthers as one of the teams to try and bargain with because he knew that they needed a quarterback and they needed one badly. He knew that they had a number one receiver that wasn't, wasn't real happy there. There had been talk about him being traded away before we did that. And he knew that they would be terrible. Right. So, I mean, that wasn't luck. That was... He did that deliberately. It was it had intention to it. It's like a strategic bet, right? It was, like, it was tactical. It was strategic. Could, could he have guaranteed that they were going to have the first overall pick? Obviously not. No. But they had a pretty good likelihood of it. But I, they had a pretty good likelihood of being in the top five. You and I were talking about this in like <laughs> August when we, right. we when, when we said. Look, Bears fans have to prepare to pay attention to every single Carolina Panthers game, even though they're likely to be brutal, because yes. we need them to lose. And they've lost a lot. They and have lost. I mean, they're even worse, I think, than people thought they were going to be. But yeah, they're, they're a disaster. And we'll get to it makes me kind of feel sorry for, uh, for Bryce Young a little bit, but, you know, I mean, that's, that's the NFL for you. Yeah, it is. And, man, just... The way that Poles robbed that franchise, like if Bryce Young's bad, then they are just absolute toast for years. But oh yeah. Anyway, that's besides the point. Right. I think that I, I I just am still imagining that Kevin Warren has been sitting up in his office taking notes of what's going on here, and if he's this grand visionary that everybody has proclaimed him to be there's no way he could look at matt eberflus and say this is the best we could do oh for, i agree for this franchise so i think that it's still likely that the coach isn't coming back but if they do win some games down the stretch would i be really surprised if the bears find find a way to convince themselves that 
you know, it's too early. We didn't try to win for a year. And then it took Matt some time to take all of these new pieces and get the roster playing together in the way we want it. Like you can make an argument, of course, but I, I don't think it's a very strong one. And I'm going to fall back on, you want your executives to be forward looking and thinking about, is this really the coach that brings us to the next level? And I just really have a hard time having I have a, I would have a very hard time taking anything that I've seen from Matt Eberflus and saying that I'm convinced that he's going to be the, the coach that will take the Bears to the Super Bowl in the next couple of years I, I just I, I don't see it um, now you know maybe maybe we're both wrong and that's what Poles and Warren are there for that's what they're supposed to do that's why they make the big bucks and I think that um, you know, whatever they decide, I'm going to be like, okay, you know, let's see how this works out. But I kind of feel like the situation with Eberflus is very similar to his, to his quarterback, to Fields, and that I love Justin Fields. I think he is a good person. I think he plays, he's an exciting player. I think he can elevate his play. Do I think he can do it consistently? I don't know. I, I mean, I'm I'm a cheerleader for him. I really am. But I don't know whether he has whatever it is to make it happen enough times in a row to make him look like he is the kind of guy that is going to take you to the Super Bowl. I, I just don't know. And the thing is is that this year we're in this unique, we're in this, last year it was, to me, it was more clear cut because the quarterback crop that was coming out wasn't very heralded in the first place. And, uh, and you know, you, you had this young player who really hadn't had a great shot, so it was a chance to really give him the, the ball to shine under the spotlight and that kind of ha- that really hasn't happened for him. And so, but this year, you have a good crop coming out. Yeah. Um, you have a couple of players, uh, maybe as many as three or four players in there that some are saying, you know, these are these are the kind of guys that you use a top pick on so you can win a Super Bowl in a couple of years. Yeah, and everyone knows Caleb Williams and Drake May and. Keep an eye on Jaden Daniels, too. That's the type of guy that you look down in a couple months and people have him going number two overall. But I, I think the quarterback question is honestly pretty simple. And we've both said that we prefer that the next coach makes the decision on quarterback. But, look, if you think that you've got a Hall of Fame talent there at first overall, then I think you have to take him. Yeah. Because I just don't think Fields is a Hall of Fame talent. I, I think he's good. And I think he's played pretty well over the last 16 games or so. And we see the flashes, but I think that in all likelihood, with the right development, you can probably find somebody in the draft that I think projects out to be better. I think C.J. Stroud probably projects out to be better. I mean, he's picked it up a lot quicker than Justin Fields did. And look, I understand Fields has not been playing with a full deck in terms of 
pieces around him and coaching staff. We've talked about it at length, but I, I think if you find Hall of Fame potential at number one overall, then right. you take it because the Bears have a great defense, or they might have a great defense right now. But they certainly have a really good one that is building its way up. But we know how fleeting that can be. Like, you remember 2018 when we all thought that we had this great defense for the next five years? Yep. And you know what happened? They all got hurt. Yeah. And then they were all gone. It, well, a and, lot of those players, too, were older. Yeah, This that's is true. a young defense. It's true. But I just think but yeah, that you're, I mean, you, you go quarterback if you have it, right? And then you figure the rest out. And then... Look, if you can get, assuming it's Caleb Williams, let's say you can get him in and you can get him playing as well as Fields is right now. Yeah. And then you've got this level of play on a rookie deal for four more years. Yeah. And then you just keep stacking picks and you have more money to spend on free agents. Like, that's how you win games in the NFL is you get – a really good quarterback on a rookie deal and the fact is the bears have wasted most of justin field's rookie deal so they have i which is a real bummer for justin fields yeah i feel bad for him and look if they trade him i'm not convinced that he won't go and play really well somewhere else i think he will but if he plays really well next year then whatever team he's on is gonna have to face the decision of do we give him 180 million dollars yep and that might be a wise investment, but then you have to sacrifice in other parts of your roster when you're paying your quarterback that much. So I think I, I still think that's the direction that they're going to go, is that they're going to use the number one overall pick on a quarterback, and then they'll trade fields for a second rounder, and then I think they'll probably try to trade their other first rounder back to just get some more picks. I think that's what's going to happen, but look, I'm open-minded if Justin wants to go out there and play like this for four more games and change people's minds. I mean, I hope he makes it hard on him because, look, we've been rooting for him ever since he's been drafted. I will take absolutely no joy in seeing them trade Justin Fields. I'll actually think it's a sad story just because I feel like that would be just a huge waste of potential by the Chicago Bears. But, look, we are where we are right now, and three years have gone by, and... You haven't developed him into what I think a lot of us wanted him to be by now. So, And you're talking about, when I, I wanted to look up Caleb Williams' numbers. Um, he's thrown for 10,082 yards in three seasons. He's at a 67% completion rate, 93 touchdowns versus 14 interceptions. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> that's uh, that's kind. Of, those are kind of insane numbers, right? Yeah. Those are video game numbers. Yeah, he's good. And uh, all I'm the only reason I'm pointing that out is I'm just saying you were you were just saying if you think you've got a Hall of Fame player there at number one, you you gotta take him. Right. And the the tomorrow to me the hard part with Fields is. We we like you said we've talked we've we've talked many times about the whole context behind it, but if you just look at it flat on the paper right now, we still don't know if he's good enough to be the guy that goes and 
maybe wins MVP or takes us to a Super Bowl a, a Super Bowl victory. You've got the number one overall pick, and you got guys there that are got all the hype around them that there could be, mm-hmm. and there's multiple. And so, do you stick with it? Like you said, you can re. There's so many advantages to it too. You can reset the clock, right? And it's like how how it's to me. It's harder to look at how to keep Justin Fields than it is to use the number one overall pick and draft one of those guys. Yeah, and it's not even like a shot at Justin Fields. No, not at all. I mean, he could be good, and you still want to take the shot on the guy that could be great. Yeah, elite. These guys, one of these guys could be elite. I always go back to what Steve Keim, the old Cardinals general manager, said, because... Remember, they drafted Josh Rosen, like, what, sixth yep. overall? And then the next year, they had the first overall pick. And I remember him talking about how he... I thought Rosen was one. No, he was, like, six or oh. something. But next year, they had the, the first overall pick. And I, I remember... Murray was one. And I remember him talking about, like, how much he wanted Murray not to be good. Like, he, he was like, I do not want to have to take a quarterback again this year. I really hope that when I go to scout Kyler Murray, I find a flaw in his game or I find some reason not to take him. And he's just like, I couldn't get there. Like, I have to take this guy because he's such a great talent. And Kyler Murray's been pretty darn good. Pretty darn good. So Even even this year, and he has not much around him, and he's coming off a major injury. And he's winning games. And he has won enough games for them to the point where they're not in a position to draft his replacement now. <laughs> the other guy isn't even in the league anymore. Yeah, so I think that's where they will go. I just think that Poles is go it, Because if he, if he sticks with Fields, and then if Fields is bad next year, yeah. or if he blows out his knee or something or gets injured, and Caleb Williams has a really great rookie season for whoever drafts him, then the Heat's really going to be on Ryan Poles at that point. Like, it's going to be huge. Like, if, if that scenario plays out, then there's going to be a lot of calls for his job. Yeah. Versus if he drafts a quarterback and the rookie quarterback struggles for a year, he's still got a little bit more time. So, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I hope Justin makes it hard, but I... Don't see them passing on a quarterback second year in a row. I mean, that's just my prediction on it. Yeah, and uh, I gotta say, I'm 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 right there with you. Uh, I I really like Fields a lot, but I just don't see how they can work that because for one thing, I'm also in the camp that I don't believe that we should keep any of this coaching staff, and um, I I just don't feel like they've done enough to uh, stay around for another year. Um, you know that to me right now. Uh, all there's buzz all over the internet about how uh, Eberflus's defense is playing so much better. Um, it, to me, it's not a coincidence that we happen that Poles goes and gets uh, you know a great talent at edge, and suddenly the defense is playing better. I don't separate those two things. And they're healthy too. Yeah, they're, they're healthy, and I, I think that um, personnel is having a lot to do with it. Just like I also believe that Campbell over in the over for the Lions, I there was huge question marks about that guy as a coach, right? Well, last year they win their, uh, they do great in the second half of the season, and they're doing well this year, right? 
but his person, he his team is stacked for for personnel, right? I mean, really, he'd have to be doing a pretty awful job of coaching to be losing with that with that group. Um, and you know, are they really doing that good? Because I'll tell you what, the last four games they haven't played worth a crap. No, they really should have lost to us both times they played us. But you know, they were able to squeeze out that one. Uh, all I'm saying is, is that. I don't want to. I don't want to see that happen in Chicago. I I think that Campbell should have been fired. I, I don't think he's that great of a coach. Um, but uh, and I think that um, <laughs> I think his offensive coordinator is going to get a new job in the off season. He sure is. And, uh, well, so and I've, I I'll tell you this. I've seen enough of Luke Getzey. Uh, like, plenty. That that I, I just. I hate his offense. Yes. Like, what was the fourth down play in the game? Yeah. Just there's. Too, what was that? Too much. Too much east-west. Too too many slow developing plays and short yardage. And still in this last game, they went an entire half again without targeting DJ Moore once. Like the the stuff just what def- what def- why def- defies explanation. So why are you throwing a pass, a screen pass to Kari Blazing game? <laughs> you know, I just, it's like, I mean, come on. I, I get that we are armchair quarterbacks. That's part of the fun of watching the NFL. But at this, at a certain point, it's just like, I could do, you know, I could use Madden's playbook and do better than this. So, you know, you know, that, that fourth down play, I, I about my eyes about bugged out of my head. Yeah, that was brutal. And I, when we were watching the game at the bar, I just turned to my friends and said, "Well, that's the game. Like, <laughs> we've that, there goes all momentum." And sure enough, the Lions went right down and scored a touchdown. And the Bears, to their credit, rallied, and it ended up not sinking them. But well, actually, they scored two touchdowns. Remember? Oh, did they go fourteen yeah, ten? Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, so it, it like completely re-energized everything. I mean, I, I just don't understand how you go an entire half without even trying to throw the ball to that guy once. It, and, just... and, you know, even even more so with that fourth down play, I was furious at Matt Eberflus because I was screaming at the TV to freaking kick the ball. <laughs> it It's like... When did our coaching staff suddenly forget how important field position is? I mean, we're on the bad side of it every single time. And it's like, oh, you have the chance to put them like right down there at the 10 or the 5. But nope, we're going to go ahead and go for it. And then and then Getsy runs his stupid east-west play, uh, his, his toss. And it's like, what... What was that? Yeah, just completely blown up. Yeah. Now, I mean, you're right. The second half of football was great to watch. Um, you know, one of the plays that uh, uh, got mentioned in the Tribune is they, they talked about, um, in the Tribune, Dan Weederer called the fourth down, uh, the fourth down pass to uh, Moore. He said that that was the most significant play of the Bears' season. So I wanted to ask you what your thoughts were on that. I'd be hard pressed to think of another one. Right. I mean, it was it was um, it was amazing the execution, um, that uh, and the focus of the team while they were out there. Um, what was the score of the game at that point? It was I think it was still I think it was thirteen ten okay. at that point, and 
it, you know, it, it, it for one thing, it, just like that fourth down play, it completely changed the entire momentum of the game. Um, and it, it jacked the Lions. It was like we gave them a right cross. Right. They just did not know what the heck happened. They were talking to Hutchinson after the game, who was the uh, who was the one that got called for offsides, and he was like, he was like, as soon as I did it, I knew it was, I knew I blew it. Yeah. He was like, I was so pissed at myself about it, you know. But I mean, stuff like that just happens in the game. Now, a lot of things had to click into place. A whole a whole lot of gears had to mesh together to make that clock work, and it worked just perfectly. So I mean, that's not something you can count on every happening every game. But it did show what the team is capable of. Yeah. Right? And I mean, watching that kind of stuff is like... And then the defense, like you said, just took over from there. They couldn't do anything after that. Yeah, no, they really couldn't. And it felt like Goff didn't want to be there. And it was it was, <laughs> yeah. very, it was reminiscent of that game in 2018 when he came to town in the cold with the Rams. And he was terrible all night. So credit to the defense i mean they've played really well they've gotten a lot of turnovers we'll see if they can sustain that and look the throw from fields on the dj Moore play that was a great play and that's why a lot of bears fans want to stick with him because you see that but then you also see some of the missed throws and you see some of the boneheaded fumbles and like he hasn't done that he didn't do that in the game against the lions but you know, that, he did have that, two that, fumbles in the game against the Lions. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh, okay. And that's even so, that's not a very good defense right now. So no. Did, did, he didn't lose any of them? Did they get them both back? I, I think he got them both back. Okay, but yeah. yeah so. Oh, yeah. Um, Darnell Wright, remember, picked up one of them and started oh, running with it. I'm talking about this last game. Oh, okay. Okay. But, yeah. And the other thing, too. I mean, That wasn't this last game. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, it gets confusing when you play the same team. Like, <laughs> right. Like two, right. two out of three games. Right. Anyway. Um, yeah, so, uh, and the other thing with Fields is that that throw to Moore came right after he got just smoked in the head again, again, on a slide. I need to see something more from the coaching staff on that. Actually, they, um, they addressed that in the Tribune this week. Yeah. Uh, that was one of the questions and, uh, Biggs actually stood up a little bit for Flus there and he said that while Iberflus uh, doesn't have a dick uh, kind of personality on the uh, on the sideline, you know, explosive. Um, he said that uh, the team actually does go and talk to the refs about that kind of stuff before the game and uh, also sends in letters uh, to the officiating uh, group and says, hey, this play, you know, what was going on? Can you explain this, why he didn't get called there? Because, I mean, that... Um, uh, that uh, play, the linebacker hit Fields right there at the beginning of the game. Yeah, no, and I, I, I know that they do that, and I'm not. E- I don't even need like the blow up on the sidelines, but in like a press conference or something, can Matt Eberflus take the fifty thousand dollar fine yeah. and just go to town on the officiating for yeah. allowing this, and see if he can get some sort of like national noise or something built up around this because it's ridiculous. It happens. Twice a game yep. where he goes to a slide and they just let him get smoked in the face. Mm-hmm. And I understand that he's a really good runner and therefore maybe the league allows a little bit more leeway. But they don't allow this kind of stuff with Josh Allen or with Pat Mahomes 
or with other quarterbacks that run, and right. I get that those are the elite of the elite, but it happened. I have, I don't think it's gotten called once with Fields that I can remember, and he gets hit late all the time. So I'm not asking for Matt Eberflus to like break his clipboard over his knee and uh, get thrown out of the game, but in the press conference. Show a little emotion. Like, WTF? Like, what What do <laughs> right. we have to do? Take your rip. I'm sure that someone would pay the fine for you, but I, I think that I, I need a little bit more from him on this because it's a little ridiculous. Yeah, so, um, you know, I, I did. Uh, I was I was, I was was reading about that that particular play, and I, I, I really thought about it, and it's like I, I think that may, might have been the most significant play of, of the year. Um, it certainly completely changed the entire facade of the game and it made um it, it, it seemed like it was it also helped with the cohesion of the of the team as a whole they just seemed to play like uh just off of each other for the rest of the game yeah and that was kind of a fun thing to see because it just felt like the team was really feeding off the crowd and it does seem like this team has come together a little bit when you watch the play on the field. I mean, it guys, does. guys are jacked up, especially on defense. And a lot of that comes with just playing better. But, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, from that point on, the Lions might as well have been, like, sitting in a Tesla with their heated seats on. Like, they just <laughs> had no interest in playing football from that point on. And, you know, credit to the Bears. They kind of... T- took their life away and a game that the lions kind of needed i mean they're fighting for playoff seating and like you said they haven't been playing well and i think that you know that was a game that the bears could have easily blown and yeah. they didn't so all credit to them um finished it well yeah yeah there you go so that's- yeah that, so you know the the other the other part of the, the other part of that um that game that i wanted to comment on is we did see a really good version of fields out there it's like you mentioned though um with the good version of fields i mean to me maybe fields best pass in the whole game was uh the was the quick pass over to uh mooney on the sideline that looked like it was going to get intercepted um but he threw such a targeted bullet that it actually got to Mooney before the D-back had a chance to react. And then Mooney took off down the sideline for another 15 yards yeah. or so, right? Uh, maybe it was about a 20-yard play, right? But I, I watched that play like five times. And I was just like, how did he get it over there that fast? You know, I mean, it was a missile. But it was perfectly placed. Now, one of the things that I read this week that I did think was kind of interesting to read was that that's one of the places that we don't see the consistency, right? We we do see Fields make some plays like that, but we also see a little later on in the game where he had a wide open Mooney and he overthrew him by a long ways. Uh, so, you know, that's the part where it's like, do we wait an entire year to see if that growth happens? Well, and they were talking about this on the score a little bit this week. I, I think that we forget that every quarterback misses throws like that. Sure. Like, typically, when I'm not watching the Bears, I'm watching Red Zone. So I'm seeing the highlights from 
Mahomes or Trevor Lawrence or the the great Josh the, Allen. the great quarterbacks. Yep. But you know when you actually sit down and you watch Sunday night or Monday night football, all the all of them do miss open receivers from time to time. But yeah, it feels like it happens with Fields a lot. And I haven't looked at the numbers to actually see if that's true. But there were a couple of plays to Mooney late in the game where Mooney was open and the ball just wasn't there. Right. And you know those are the kind of missed opportunities that you just can't have when you're playing important games and yeah like fields does seem to struggle with his accuracy a little bit at times and i think that i i don't know if that's gonna get better like i just don't know at this point how much more you can coach that and maybe i'm wrong maybe a quarterback expert would say well he's still got a little bit of happy feet or his fundamentals still aren't perfect and if you get a good quarterback coach in here that can clean some of that stuff up then maybe you cut down on those missed throws by five percent or something but yeah yeah, it does still happen too much for my liking which is open receiver and the ball gets thrown to the right person but just not on target and it just is incomplete and there it goes seven yards or whatever so too too much for me still well you you want to see um your quarterback in that 65 66 67 percent completion percentage on a uh, on on a on a seasonal kind of basis and uh this year uh so far fields is 63.5 uh he's 60.9 career uh on sunday he was 57.6 um being under 60 is not is not it, that's inexcusable yeah. as far as that NFL quarterback goes. I'm not I'm not saying that Fields did a bad job. I'm just saying that if you're looking at the quarterback position, you never want to see under 60. Well, and there's two or three throws that get you there, right? And I can think of a couple to Mooney that he missed. I think there was another one where Moore was open that the ball kind of sailed on him. I could be misremembering the receiver there, but yeah, I mean you do see just too many missed opportunities still. Now, now um, no interceptions in his last three games, um, which is good. Uh, he, now he's only thrown two touchdowns, uh, but he's also, you know, his feet are half of his game too. And he certainly had some brilliant runs uh, against the Lions. Uh, the one at the end, uh, in his own end zone, um, was uh, nothing short of amazing and escaping from one of the best pass rushers in the game. But the, the thing is, is that I, while I, I love that ability and I believe that the top quarterbacks in the NFL have to have that ability available to them, I, I still think that they have to have the passing ability over the running ability and I don't know whether Fields can ratchet up his game much further in the passing game. I don't know. Hey, I hope so, but I agree with you. He, he's at his best when he's running a lot, and yep. I just don't know that that's what you want in a quarterback that you're going to have to commit major money to. Major money. Yeah, I mean, you know, that he's, he's run the ball... Uh, 42 times in the last three games. Yeah. 
<laughs> There's some running backs that are not running it that much. There's a lot of running backs that don't get the ball that much. <laughs> yeah, they're all on my fantasy team. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, so, you know, anyway, um, you know, that's, uh, we'll, we'll talk more about that as the season goes. I mean, I, I certainly was, it was certainly fun to watch the team as a whole. And he was, Fields was definitely feeling it in the second half. Um, it, and the other thing is, I did find this interesting. In the last four games that they have won the toss, um, they have elected to the receive. Yeah, okay? that's dumb. Well, and so uh, Biggs was talking about this. They have scored a touchdown on their opening series in three of those four games. And being an old school Bears fan, I got to tell you, the Bears don't usually score on the first drive. So there is something there. Well, they if they're doing it on the first drive, it shouldn't matter if the other team had the ball first. I and agree with you. The, the analytics all say that you should defer. So I don't know why they're doing that. I don't know if anyone's asked Matt Eberflus. It's statistically the wrong move, but... Maybe because it is working, then they're just going to stay rolling with it. And uh, it, it, That's kind of the way it came across. Well, and that's the thing with Getsy too, is that his first drive, the scripted plays usually are pretty good. Yeah. So I don't know why after that it just all seems to go out the window. <laughs> um, but, look, this week is going to be a big test for the offense for me, just because they did play well last week, but... To see what happens on the road in Cleveland against a really good defense and a really well-coached defense. Like, we've seen Brian Flores tie the Bears' offense in knots twice. Mm -hmm. And Jim Schwartz is as good, if not better, of a defensive coordinator. And the Browns, I think, have better personnel than the Vikings. So, if the Bears can move the ball on that off against that defense, that's going to be a really... Uh, strong indicator for me that maybe things are improving a little bit, but I'll believe it when I see it. I think they're going to struggle this week in Cleveland. So um, we're going to switch gears, and uh, Matt Miller, um, ESPN draft analyst, came out with a new mock draft today. And obviously, uh, we still got a ways to go, but I love my mock drafts. And uh, the Bears, as the Bears, of course, selecting number one, uh, the chances of them getting the number one overall pick, I think, are 79% now. That seems right. I'm surprised uh, it's not higher, actually. Um, but but that's pretty, yeah. you know, that's still pretty high. It It's getting close to being a guarantee. Um, and Matt Miller has them selecting Caleb Williams. Yeah. So uh, if, the, if um, uh, you know, Caleb Williams... Uh, like I like I said, his his numbers um, are really outstanding. Um, he to me he looks like a better passing prospect than Fields did coming out of Ohio State. Uh, he certainly by the talking heads and the scouts and prognosticators uh, is being rated as one of the top guys to come out in a while. You know, some people are referring to him as a generational talent. I don't know whether he's that, but these are supposed to be people that know, you know, 10 times as much as you and I combined. And uh, they, they, they like him a whole lot. 
my question to you is with that sitting there, if if it's if you're sitting in the chair, just completely hypothetical, you're sitting in the chair, what do you do? Yeah, I agree. I think you take him. Yeah, I, I that's the thing is I I don't see how you don't. Um I it it, it to me we we both are in agreement. You bring in a new coaching staff, and you include him in on it, and you say, you know, who is it? The who's the guy that you want to make our Super Bowl quarterback? And I just don't see how that happens with Justin Fields at this point. Unless they've seen something that's like a fatal flaw in his game that no one else has seen, or if like some of the rumors are true that he has like a list of teams that he'll go to, and the Bears aren't on it. I'll believe that when I see it, but like absent one of those two things, I, I don't know how you pass on him. I, yeah. I, I just don't. Yeah, I, I, I'm in agreement. It's just out of curiosity, who does he have them taking with their second first round pick? So their second pick, um, he has them at eight. Um, okay. Taking Malik Neighbors, uh, the wide receiver from LSU, okay. uh, who is one of the you know the top guys. Uh, he says. Um, uh, neighbors is the most explosive after the catch receiver in the draft averages 6.8 yards after the catch hmm. um, which is really good and he says he compares him to Stefan Diggs uh, he says some of you out there might be wondering about a left tackle here but I'm a believer in second year player Braxton Jones yeah so I think it would be wise for them to go receiver yeah that makes sense to me I think if polls is here I've said this before I don't think they're moving on from Braxton Jones and it certainly it, Braxton Jones seems to be doing pretty damn good. Yeah, he's graded out really well. And could they do better? Like, could they find a Hall of Famer in the top ten? Probably, but maybe Hall of Famer, no. But like an All Pro contender, right. I think they probably could. But yeah, I, I don't see them moving on. I think Poles drafted him, and I think that's his guy. And I think he's going to be the left tackle next year. So I think receiver does make sense. I think that. Eight is still a little rich for me to go wide receiver just because I think you can find really good players later on in the draft. But, look, they need another weapon on this team badly. And if that's how they choose to get him is by going out and getting a player like Neighbors who is not the best receiver in his class this year but is still really good, I would have a really hard time uh, being upset about that. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I- I've already said multiple times um, – I'm not real sold on you know using high high picks on, on a receiver because you look at some of the very best receivers in the NFL right now and they're not high picks. Yeah. Uh, but um, I, I I think that what is going to be a conundrum for the team is Jalen Johnson. Uh, do they use the franchise tag on him? I, I certainly think he's a candidate for it. Um, also, you know. Uh, it, the way Poles has play, uh, been playing his hands, he likes to trade down and get more picks. Mm-hmm. Um, so we use the number one overall pick on Caleb Williams, and then that second pick, it makes sense that he would parlay that out. Yeah, so you're saying if they move on from Johnson that you might have to take a corner there? Yeah, uh, I mean, it's certainly possible. I don't... I think that if nothing else, they'll use at least the transition tag on him, if not the franchise tag on him. Which the transition tag is fine because that allows him to go out and negotiate with other teams. Then you can match if you want to. Fifteen million uh, is the transition. But I thought I thought that's what I thought 
the player could go out and like negotiate with another team. They can. And then if another team gives them an offer, then the Bears can match it. Yeah. So, but it's uh, but if the transition tag is minimum 15 million, which I mean Jalen Johnson's going to get more than that. Yeah. Franchise is 18. Sure. At his position. Yeah, so I I think I wouldn't be surprised with either of those. I also wouldn't be that surprised if they get a deal done just because those tags give the team a lot of leverage. And I, I certainly, um, this year, has changed. Uh, you and I both talked a, uh, before the beginning of the season about Johnson, about him being a great player, but he really needed to show a little bit more. I think he certainly has done that. Yeah, especially the last several games. I mean, I can't remember after what week, but he, I think, oh, it was after the Raiders week where he got really vocal about wanting an extension and sounded like after that the bears tried and the two of them just couldn't come to terms and he said all right well all i'm gonna do now is go out and try to play like an all pro and i think he's done that i I think he has too he's played really well and he's gonna get a lot of money from somebody and i hope it's the bears just because like i really like jalen johnson i just i listened to all his interviews i think that he is the exact type of player you want in your locker room and he's a really really good player so i hope they get it done and I think that they have enough money where they could even overpay for him a little bit, and it's not going to stop him from doing anything all that meaningful. Right. So I, I hope they get it done. I, I hope that they don't resort to the franchise tag just because a lot of times that doesn't work out because then the player's not happy and then they're not the same locker room leader or they aren't practicing as much and we we see it every year with guys so i I hope they get a deal done with him i think he's earned it yeah um i i agree with all of that i i I hope that they just they they give him they get him the money um i kind of think though that polls will it's just a hunch just a feeling um so uh we're gonna jump over to power rankings and uh this week's power rankings uh they had the writers uh look at uh the biggest improvement on each team um, from week one to right now, uh, the number one team in the league right now is the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, the number one team in the NFC North, Detroit Lions, of course, now nine and four, biggest improvement, red zone efficiency. You know, they really like, uh, they talked a lot in that game about uh, Gibbs and, um, and Montgomery. And, and uh, I, I was watching Jamar Gibbs, and, and he looks like a really good player, but. I got to say, one thing that jumped into my head is I still don't think that um, selecting that guy with as high as a pick as they did really made sense for that team. Well, and it was brought up, too, that they passed on Jalen Carter to make that pick. Yeah. How much better would that be? Oh, I was happy. (laughs) Yeah. Same. I was I was very happy. How how much better would that defense look with Carter and Hutchinson compared to what they have now? I, I think that pick was a little bit highbrow. It was kind of the Ryan Pace smartest guy in the room pick, mm-hmm. and I, I think they've come to regret it because Gibbs I, has been okay, but he just hasn't made the impact that I think they wanted, you know, taking him there. Yeah, I mean, it's a, I think it's a really good tandem. It's one of the better tandems in the league, but I just I think they could have used that pick in so many other ways that would have uh, benefited that team more immediately and had a heavier impact than a, than a running back. 100%. Uh, number 14 is the Green Bay Packers, uh, their biggest improvement, uh, rookie receivers. Um, it, certainly, you and I have talked about 
their receiving cores, it certainly looks like it has the potential to be very good for the next three to five years, mm -hmm. which is not good news for us. It's kind of like laid an egg against the Giants, though. That was they they really did. Well, it's funny because we talked last week about that throw that Love made against the Chiefs that just hung up in the air forever, and Dubs came down with it, and that was the big play in that game, and then. Last week, he made that same throw against the Giants, and it got picked off. He got picked off. So. Uh, yeah, they uh, uh, they definitely have struggled with uh, turnovers uh, against the against the Giants. There, um, they also uh, the Giants had uh, about a hundred yards more of uh, offense than the, than the Packers did. Tommy DeVito. Um, Minnesota Vikings are at, eight, at eighteen. Their biggest improvement: defensive takeaways. <laughs> well. Uh, you know, you and I have uh, talked uh, uh, a lot about the defense for the Vikings. I, I just don't, I don't understand. If somehow they keep Flores, that will be a miracle. We'll see. I mean, defensive coaches don't typically get a lot of opportunities, but I think he should be a head coach. I think he's yeah. that good. Yeah. Did you watch any of that 3 to nothing game against the no. Raiders? I was. I watched a lot of it. I was... I met up with some friends for the game and I was thinking because I've been reading a book about early like college football when all the games ended like two to two. Yeah. And <laughs> all, all the while, all the while I'm reading this book and I'm 1899. Yeah. I'm like, I'm reading this book and they're talking about these massive crowds. I'm like, who watched games? And then I'm watching, I'm sitting there watching every play of this three to nothing Josh Dobbs versus Aiden O'Connell just slog. And I'm like, yep, I'm the idiot. I, I, I saw that uh, Nick Mullins has already been. Uh, yeah, it so, sounds like so, so much for the Josh Dobbs reign of. <laughs> yeah, I thought he was supposed to be the new guy. Blossoms off that rose a little bit. Yeah. All right. So uh, the Bears were at twenty six last week. Pretty good. We're get, we're moving up in the world. And where are they now? Oh fuck. Uh, sorry. Uh, I'm going to guess they're like 22nd now. Sorry, I 20, misunderstood. 23. They were at 26 last week. So they're at 23. Uh, biggest improvement, interceptions. Yeah. Defensive takeaways in general are up. A core tenet of Coach Matt Eberflus's hits principle. Yeah, baby. <laughs> and I think that's Montez Sweat. And then, like I said, I, I think we forget that like seven weeks ago, pretty much everyone in the secondary was hurt. Yeah. So they're all back now and the fact that the bears went into that game against the lions with nobody on their injury report is pretty remarkable for this time of year and like i know Ngakwe hurt his ankle and i know uh, a couple other players popped up on the injury report today including dj moore but they're pretty healthy right now and that makes a huge difference this time of year yeah they um uh they've uh, had eight interceptions in uh uh in the past three games and um uh there's uh You'll find, it says, uh, you'll find one category in which Chicago is performing better than any of the other teams. The Bears have nine interceptions since week 10, which is the most in the NFL in that stretch, uh, which is, you know, great. Um, the Montez sweat factor, the Tez, that's what they're called, the Tez effect. Yeah, how about it? Yeah, I mean, you know, that, that's the thing is, is that, and I, I don't want to take anything away from Eberflus. It's great that you know, uh, quote unquote, his defense is doing better. But I just, I, 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 when I was looking at that, I mean, 
it was to me it was pretty obvious that the guy was going to have an effect on the defense because he's a really good player and anytime you bring in a really good player it usually helps the players around them well the bears defensive line has been so awful there was nothing you could do except make it better you know what i mean so the fact that they brought in a, a high quality player um who it must be doing it not just on the field, but in the locker room, too, and really pumping them boys up. Yeah, and Sweat was talking about... And how about big Javon Dexter again making his authority known? He makes a lot of plays. I wish he would play more snaps, but he's been solid. And Sweat was interesting. He was talking about just how much better the culture is here compared to where he was in Washington. So, look, we know Washington's always a mess. Yeah. So I don't think that's a very high bar, but it's... <laughs> Nice to hear, at least, because you always kind of think that the Bears are one of the worst locker rooms in the league just because they've been so bad. But I guess it's nice to hear that we're at least better than Washington. So, I mean, there, there's that. Um, so, uh, the only other thing we have is um, we'll go quickly uh, look at the uh, schedule and... Um, it looks like uh, Minnesota at Cincinnati, and the matchup predictor says um, Bengals by three, 57% uh, Cincinnati, 43% for Minnesota. Um, Nick mean, Mullins yeah. versus Jake Browning. Yeah, God, the quarterbacking in the NFL. <laughs> Browning's been pretty good, so... He's been decent. I would give the advantage to the Bengals just because I don't know that the Vikings are going to score, and I don't think Nick Mullins is very good, and I think Browning's also not very good, but I think he's better than Nick Mullins, so I would give the advantage to the Bengals. Minnesota has scored 13 points in their last two games combined. <laughs> oh, man, that is just not good. Yeah, I would, um, and you know, uh, Cincinnati's at home. Um, actually, Jake Browning is doing pretty decently there. So, um, and then um, as a, as a and then Justin Jefferson immediately got hurt again. And I think he's back. As a football fan, I would like the Bengals to win just because I don't want to see this Vikings team in the playoffs. I would so much rather see Geno Smith or Matt Stafford or. A few other teams, honestly, just looking at the other teams that are in the hunt. Yeah. So just get get the Vikings out of here. They're they're done. How about that? Um, T.J. Hawkinson is leading the Vikings in receptions and yards. Interesting. <laughs> I would not have picked that nope. at the beginning of the season. You would have won some bar bets on that one. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then we've got uh, Denver at the Detroit Lions. Um, looks like it's Detroit by four, 59% to 41%. I would have to think that Detroit bounces back here. Um, I think that Denver is playing better, but man, uh, and their defense is definitely playing better, but I still don't know how how much you can stand, uh, uh, how how reliable Russell Wilson is at this point. Yeah, I agree. I don't have a strong opinion on this one. I, I agree that the Lions should probably win, but yeah, they haven't been playing very well. So They really haven't been. Four, four points against a team with a pulse right now with the way they've been playing is yeah. a little tough. But I mean, because really, 
they should have lost to us, and then they lost to Green Bay, and then they barely, it took them a last-minute sp- uh, splurge to beat New Orleans, and then they, we dominated them this last Sunday. There's no question about that. Yeah, so if Dan Campbell is any sort of coach, he's going to have his guys coming out ready to go against the Broncos. And that's like, what I'm saying is, like, you know, what this this team is, you know, so this is the same, the, the Lions are the same team that were ranked in the top five in the power rankings, you know, about this time it, towards the beginning of the year. You know, in the first quarter of the year, first third of this of the year. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people remember when they were going out to Baltimore. A lot of there's a lot of noise that maybe the Lions are the best team in the NFL. Right. And then they lost to Baltimore, like I think about ninety four to nothing. So <laughs> that faded fast, and yeah, I mean, they just have not played well at all recently, and they don't have the division locked up either. I mean, it, it would take a lot for either the Vikings or the Packers to catch them, but it's definitely still possible if the Lions don't turn this around. And if, if they lose to Denver, then their next game's against Minnesota, which you know could potentially knock them out of first place if the Vikings uh, win this week. So they, they need this one, and you know I, I think they'll we'll get their best performance, but recently that hasn't been much. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, I think, I think the Lions pulled this out, though. I agree. Yeah. Um, Tampa Bay at Green Bay, and it looks like Green Bay three and a half, uh, and then 56 to 43. Yeah, that's about right. Coin flip game for me. I think both of these teams are pretty mediocre. Um, and it, it really is just going to be like, what Jordan Love do you get? If, if it's the good Jordan Love, I think the Packers win, but if he looks like he did against the Giants, then the Bucks could go up there and beat them. I think both these teams are pretty average. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, and I think that um, I think the line, I think the Packers get it done at home. Um, it, I think it's going to be a really close game, but it, like you said, it, I would I wouldn't be shocked if they lose either. Um, Love certainly does seem like he's streaky. Uh, um, he 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 definitely does not have that consistency that you can that we that we saw for years and years and years out of twelve. No, and we'll see if Aaron Jones and Watson play because both of them are pretty important. And Aaron Jones, I feel like, has been questionable and then not played for like six weeks now. But basically the whole and, year. Yeah, Watson, not having him is a big deal. So if, if those two play, then I, I think that moves the needle a little bit more towards Green Bay. But if both of them are out, then I, I think this one's a coin flip. I, I don't think the Packers are noticeably better than the Bucks. Yeah, the, missing those two guys, they're, they're the two primary weapons. Um, okay, so and then that just leaves us. Uh, at Cleveland, and like you said, I agree with you that uh, you know we're going to see a tough defense. Um, I'm liking us though in this game. Uh, it's uh, Cleveland by three, 57 to 43 on the matchup predictor. Um, I I'm liking us, and uh, you know a big uh, a big reason for it is quarterback. I agree with that, and I know Flacco's played okay. But he's he's played the Rams and the Jaguars, so right. not formidable defenses by any stretch. And I think I would say our defense is playing better than either of those teams by far. 
So I think that, look, if, if Matt Eberflus is going to get any credit for turning this defense around, then they need a good performance against Joe Flacco. We, we know what Joe Flacco is. He's going to hit open guys, and he's probably not going to throw any stupid interceptions, but he's also not going to make any special throws, and he's a statue back there. And the Browns are down to, like, their fifth and sixth string tackles. Yeah. Like, the Bears' defense should hold these guys under 20 points. So then the big matchup for me, like I said earlier, is can this offense move the ball against Jim Schwartz and Miles Garrett and this Browns' defense? And the Browns' defense has been really good in Cleveland. And I haven't seen the Bears' offense go on the road against a good defense and move the ball. So if they can't do that, it wouldn't surprise me if Cleveland wins in kind of like an ugly like 13-10 to 10 type of game. Yeah. But I think if the Bears can get in the end zone a couple times and get to 20, I think they should win this game because I think the defense should be able to shut Flacco down. Well, obviously the running game is a big part of our game, and uh, the... Um the Browns only allowed 58 yards of rushing to uh, the Jaguars last week. Um, Trevor Lawrence threw the ball 50 times. Well, we know that Justin Fields is not going to throw the ball 50 times. And that's Trevor Lawrence on uh, on one leg, basically. Yeah. Like, he wasn't healthy. But, but um, yeah, I mean, a big part of it was the turnovers. He, he, threw, three, he threw three picks in that game. So, but... Um, I, I certainly, while, while their defense is uh, stout I, and very stout against the run, I would expect us to get more success than that. I think that's right, especially just because I think that they're going to be able to uh, utilize fields in the run game. Travis Etienne, 14 carries, 35 yards. The Browns defense is good, yeah. but I think that they're also a little banged up and... A uh, well-coordinated offense with a mobile quarterback, I think, should be able to get yards against them. But the key words there are well-coordinated. <laughs> and I, I would not describe the Bears' offense as that. So no. that's the big matchup for me is Getze versus Jim Schwartz. And, look, it, it, we know how bad things can look in Cleveland firsthand. Yep. <laughs> I, I, it's kind of funny. I kinda, it's kind of weird that normally – it's a long time before you play another uh, road game out of conference. Like when the bears go to Cleveland, typically you don't expect them to go back for eight more years, but it's only been two since that disaster. Oh, um, we're not going to talk about I bet, that. I bet Fields remembers that game very well, too. He might not. I mean, there was... <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but... he, he just as easily could have... He might have amnesia from that game. Yeah. So, I, I think that... Um... That's going to be, I think we're going to know kind of early on, honestly. If the offense comes out and just can't do anything early, I I think that's going to be a good indication that it's going to be a long day. But if they're moving the ball, this is a winnable game. I I don't think Joe Flacco is good. I I don't think he is either. I, I, I think that it wouldn't surprise me if the Bears can get a few sacks in this game. And they should be able to shut this Browns offense down. So. I mean, the Bears' defense certainly played a much better quarterback in golf last week than 
Joe, I just got off the couch, Flacco. So um, it's pretty wild that Joe Flacco can just kind of like show up one day and he's already like the 18th best quarterback in the league. <laughs> that that says more. That says more about the quarterbacking around the league. But yeah, I mean he can put on his pads and make some NFL throws at least. So that instantaneously moves him ahead of a lot of the quarterbacks that I, are going to be starting this week. I think part of it also is just the fact that he's six foot seven. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, I, th- I think those super tall uh, quarterbacks, um, that's one of the advantages they, uh, they enjoy. Now, at the same time, it's like you said, um, if, if he doesn't have a, a solid pocket protecting him, I think it's going to be a long day for him. And I just read that both of the starting tackles are out. Well, and this is not even their starting. Did you see that? That's what I mean. This is not even their starting tackles. Like, yeah. Their, their actual starting tackles have both been out forever. And then I think both of their backups got hurt. Right. So, yeah, they're, they're down bad. This is both of their backups. Yeah, they're down bad on the line. So, um, you know, like, like you said, Eberflus should be scheming up something to uh, take advantage of that. Absolutely. And so uh, that just leaves Survivor. Oh boy. Well, we survived another nail biter. We did. I I don't love anything this week. I think just, It is a very tough week. I think looking at the What I came up with was um here's the teams I came up with. Yeah. The Falcons, mm-hmm. the Packers, yeah. the Giants, and the Colts. Well, the Giants are... Now, now, I know that they're all stinkers. The Giants are six-point underdogs, so let's cross them off. I mean, I know that they're all stinkers, right? But I was looking, you know, the the point of this game, right, is always it's about that particular matchup. Yep. And, you know, I, I they're they're playing hot right now. They are. They're, they're, they're playing really hot right now. Um, they're coming off a big win. They really, they love that DeVito kid. Yeah. And I, I think that that has given them a huge spark. And, you know, I, I'm, you know, obviously I'm open to other games. I was, these are just ones that I went through. And it's like you said, you know, it, it, this week is pretty thin. I, I was thinking that, I, and I hate doing this. I, I think the right thing to do is just to fade the Panthers here. Because they're so bad. They're bad. Atlanta's also bad, but Atlanta's not that not that bad. Objectively, the better team, and this is an absolute must-win for them. It is. If they lose, then their season's basically over. I I can't do it with the Giants as as almost a touchdown underdog. I don't like the Colts. I I could do the Packers. The other team I would look at, and this is entirely based on injuries, is. If Stroud is gonna pl- is not gonna play, and if um, the, uh, the, uh, Nico Collins is not gonna play, and it's gonna be Davis Mills on the road in Tennessee, Tennessee's playing better. They just beat Miami somehow. I I think the Falcons are the move, and I take no joy in saying that. Um, I I don't know. I, there's just not a ton here. There, it's thin. It's a very thin week. I think this actually is our toughest week of the entire year. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, uh, like I, I, you know, I gave you the four teams, um, because I wanted to come up with more than one. Yeah. Uh, but uh, 
and I told you they're all lemons. <laughs> but um, I the Falcons game is like you said. It's just that they're going up against a team that is absolutely awful. They're they're like dead team walking. Like yeah, they, they can't do anything. They they can't do anything. And Atlanta, this it's a big game for them um, because they're still in the thick of it. They could still win their division. Yeah, they need it. Um, so, you know, uh, while, uh, we, while we, you know, it's a, it's not a great team to, to select it, it, They're just, they're playing against a team that is so awful. Um, it, it, I could see it working out. I, I think that's where I'm leaning. Um, I mean, they, they easily could have won last week. Um, and I was looking at, uh, I looked at the numbers there, uh, Desmond Ritter's numbers, 26 of 40 for 347, a touchdown and a pick. Um, that pick is what killed them. Um, but they had a good running game. White ran for 102 or, uh, uh, Algier ran for 40. And then, um, uh, what's his face? Um, Robinson had a, had a touchdown. Um, there, it looks like they're using Robinson, more again uh london 10 receptions for 172 yards absolutely ran wild they had 434 yards of offense how, last did, week. how did they lose and it, you know turnovers turnovers will always kill you they lost the turnover battle they lost the game well and conversely i'm looking at bryce young's numbers against the saints what's this Completion percentage: thirteen completions on thirty-six attempts. <laughs> I mean, it's like thirty percent. Yeah, that's that's terrible. And yeah, I I just think the Panthers are just absolute toast right now. Like, I don't know. I just think of how stressful it is as a Carolina Panthers fan because not only that, you got to wonder if Bryce Young if if he's just not good. You do. You absolutely well, I do. mean, and wow. It's like you said, you know, overcoming overcoming making a super high pick, we know firsthand, is really difficult. And uh, overcoming Trubisky took a long time. It took a long time to get to this point where we're at. And I I, I that's why I think that they have to they have to move with whatever quarterback from the draft they really like. I, I, that's why one of the, I think is one of the factors. And, um, you know, uh, you're, you, when we're just looking at this, at this pick them right here, um, you're looking at two teams. Desmond Ritter is terrible. Yes. Um, there's, there's no doubt that the Falcons, if they want to have success, are going to have to find a different guy. And Bryce Young was the number one overall pick, and he looks awful. Uh, so, I mean, people talk about Fields looking terrible in his first year. <laughs> he looks like an all-star compared to to to, to Young. So, um, well, so what do you think? Go Atlanta. I think let's do that for now. Let's keep an eye on this Titans Texans game because if it's going to be Davis Mills going into Tennessee, I think Tennessee should win that one too. Um, I. Uh, I was thinking about the Colts, but the problem is that Tomlin like just always finds a way to win games like this when, yeah. when everyone's counted him out. I don't really have a lot of interest in using the Raiders, even though 
Easton Stick is starting for the Chargers. Can't do that, so... Uh, the the Raiders are freaking terrible. And I don't want to use the Packers either. I just don't trust them. I if I, I feel, It's just... It's a crappy week. I, I feel like it's the Falcons, and if they lose a must-win game to Bryce Young, then we just take the owl and walk away and we're already in the money. Yeah. All right. That's what we're going to do. So thanks once again uh, for joining us this week. Um, hopefully we'll be, I'd like to see us uh, celebrate another win next week. I'd, I'd like to see us go in and maybe get a little vengeance for, uh, for that ass beating. They took the last time. I'd love to see uh, number one, just absolutely torch those dudes. Well, and if, if we win this week, then it's, we gotta. We can't even kid about the in the hunt anymore. If they win this week, then they're right in it. Yeah. To at least get the seven seed and have the rights to get blown out by the Eagles. But <laughs> hey, if if they want to rattle off a couple more and make this interesting and make that last game against the Packers meaningful, then look, I didn't think we'd be talking about meaningful football until next September. So yeah, I'll, I'll take it. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bear down.